everybody. Welcome back to our podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> hey. And we have Steve Valentor telling us his story. So thank you so much for being with us. Great to be here. Thanks. And we would love to hear about your background. Tell us a little bit about where you came from and, you know, how you kind of got to pay dent. And, you know, we would love to hear about it. And Very being good. stuck with us dentists nowadays. Yeah, right? I like working with dentists because I spent my entire career working with engineers. Mm-hmm. And engineers and dentists have a lot of peculiarities mm-hmm. in common. Definitely. <laughs> Nerdy, <laughs> geeky stuff. Are you, are you self-conscious about your teeth, however, right now? Surrounded I, by I, dentists. I, I've been going to dentists for a long time, and I'm pretty happy with my teeth all, all in right. all. Pretty happy. Are you brushing, flossing? I, you know what? You know what? I have flossed every single day since 1992. Every wow. single wow. day. I maybe have missed I a day or two, but no more than two Yeah, I... I, I uh, 1992, I, I went in and I and my gums had a little bit of, you know, a little bit of, it needed some device. work, a little bit, and it needed to be cleaned, and it was painful like enough that I said, I asked the doctor, how can I prevent this? And he said, floss every day. And so wow. I have flossed every day since wow. then. I keep floss, to do that, I keep floss in the, in the, in the glove compartment of my car, in the middle console. I keep it in my, in my desk at work. I keep it at home. I have like wow. six or seven things all That's over the amazing. house. And I floss while I'm driving. I steer with my knee and I oh, floss goodness. if I, if I didn't. He's risking his life to <laughs> <a> floss. <laughs> wow. Okay, let's hear your story. So my story. So I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and and south that's side. south side. Yep, hey, yep. 109th and Pulaski. I went to Brother Rice. That's one of the nice. you know, the Catholic schools down there. Um, uh, I'm I'm now in recovery. I, I did that. I'm, 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 it's an all boys recovery. school. Yeah. And it still is. It's yeah. one of the few that, that still yeah. is. And then I went to college here in uh, in Chicago, UIC mathematics. Me too. Nice. And Hello. and uh, and when I came out, uh, the the. Uh, the personal computer was just being introduced. And so I had the ability to write software and there was, you know, when I went to college, there was no computers. We had to use mainframes in, in a was lab somewhere. Fortran? Or well, we used Fortran, we used Cobol. Pascal, COBOL, Pascal. And, uh, but, but my specialty was assembly language. That's actually the machine language where you actually code the bytes directly in uh, to, the, to the processor. And because I could write this code, there was no overhead for the programming languages, and so the code was super, super fast. Hmm. So I found a home in the personal computer industry because I could make things run really, really fast compared to, because Microsoft had come out with this thing called Interpretive Basic, and it was super slow, but you'd write your programs in basic, and then they would run really slow. Well, they would say, we want to do this disk hash algorithm. We want to figure out a way to search through the disk and find the exact data that we need. And you want to do that as fast as you can. So you do it in assembly language. And I knew how to write that. So I found a home when the personal computer was just coming out. So I spent 15 years designing computers. Can you, do, can you fix my 8-tracks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, my specialty is processors. A-tracks don't have processors. Oh, my MacBook yeah. isn't working too good. Can yeah. And these are, yeah. you're talking zeros and ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a bit twiddler. Yeah, I, I, I know all that stuff. Yeah, so I, I 15 years designing and, and working in, in the computer industry. Then I moved down a notch to semiconductors. Because the technology had advanced to the point, what is a computer other than a processor, some memory, storage, and a bunch of peripheral interfaces that you plug it into your printer or your modem or whatever it is. Well, by by the uh, late 90s, uh, we could do that on silicon, on a single chip now. You could put a processor and all the peripherals in there inside a single chip. So I moved to, uh, to a silicon company 
And, and uh, that was a tremendous experience. So I worked in Silicon R&D for 10 years. So that's my first 25 years. Was that in Illinois? And, yeah, I was. I, I never had to leave. Never had to leave Illinois to stay in tech. Wow. I had lots of opportunities to go to Silicon Valley and and mm-hmm. some of the other Boston, some of the other tech hubs. But I was always able to stay here in Chicago. So so 15 years of computers, 10 years of semiconductors, a few more years of software. I worked for a company, a California company called Wind River, here in their Chicago office, and I managed field engineering for all of North America. Hmm. Then I had the opportunity to buy into a company that a bunch of friends of mine had started on the north side. They were making video game hardware. They all came from Williams and Midway and Bally. And they were making video game hardware, like the ones you have in your basement, sort of. And, but, but the business was not going very well, so one of my friends brought me in and said, hey, can you help us to do something with this business? So I looked at it and I said, huh. You're making these arcade class games. These are the kind you find like in the lobby of your movie theater or a place like GameWorks, one of those game studios where you go in there. Mm-hmm. The, the big machines, the ones that you sit in or the motorcycles that you ride and they lean or the skiing machines, those type of Take things. Up so much yeah. room. Yeah, so they were building the hardware for those and the, the margins were pretty small and the business was kind of becoming a very shadow of what it originally was. So they said, what else can we do with this technology? They had some great engineers and ability to manufacture this stuff. So I I looked at it and I said, huh, you're building high-tech electronics that's exposed to two of the harshest environments that I can think of, children and drunken morons. (laughs) And they beat the crap out of this machinery, and it's got to stand up, because when you put it in a retail space, that's super expensive space. So it's got to be reliable. It's got to be high-tech or nobody's going to play it. It's got to be good stuff. And so, so we looked at that and said, well, where else can we apply that? Well, the three that come to mind, medical equipment, um, industrial automation, so taking factories and running robots and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and then aerospace and defense, because that's harsh environments. So what we found is that in medical, that's really, a, it's viewed, the medical companies view themselves as consumer companies. There are so many hospitals, so many doctor's offices, so it's really super high volume, really low margin, hard to compete there. So we looked at that and said, ah, it's interesting, we can do the technology, but the marketing is too hard. Then we looked at industrial automation, and to be good at that, you really have to be a robot expert, and we weren't. We could do the electronics to drive the robots, but we didn't have the expertise with the robots. But aerospace and defense, that's where we immediately found traction. So, so we started building, because when you, when you have an airplane, and it's going to have a certificate, like a tail number, the FAA is going to certify it as an aircraft mm-hmm. uh, type certification, they call it. You can't take an off-the-shelf computer like the IBM ThinkPad that you're using here and bolt that into the aircraft. It need to cert- the FAA needs to certify it for shock and vibration, extended temperature, and most importantly, emissions, electromagnetic radiation emissions. They don't want it to interfere with the communication or navigation of the aircraft. So you need to build custom hardware hardened, high-tech custom hardware. And so I looked at this and said, we got the ability to do this for video games, let's migrate it to aerospace. Mm. So we grew the company tenfold and and, uh, we really found traction in aerospace. So we make entertainment systems that go into business jets, we make computers that control those lay-flat beds in business class on the 777 and the 787, Mm. uh, the Airbus 350 and 380. Mm. we build uh, controllers that fly UAVs for the military. Uh, so, so I did this for 10 years. I was the CEO of that company. And mm-hmm. a few years ago, I had the opportunity to sort of step to the side. So I remained a shareholder. I still own a fair chunk of the company. And my partner took over as president. And, and I did something that I always wanted to do. I went back to school. 
So I went to MBA school and I studied finance. I went as deep as I could. Of course, being a math geek, (laughs) going into finance and doing quant, oh, this was heaven for me. So when I went back to school in my late 50s, I expected to be older than my classmates. No, No question. What I found out, though, that was really entertaining is in all cases, I was older than their parents. (laughs) <laughs> so it was quite a challenge uh, going. were they competitive oh yeah oh yeah yeah. yeah. and so uh-huh. I, I wanted to get it done quickly because at my age you don't want to take too long to do much of anything <laughs> you never know you never know so I took 18 hours a semester of graduate level level work I got wow. done in 16 months I finished the whole program uh, I, I managed wow. to get uh, out of the 17 courses that I took I got 14 A's so I, I did pretty well for, uh, for, for an old guy coming back to school after all those decades and uh, and and then when I came out, I what I really wanted to do, I said, okay, I've brought a bunch of these startups up, and I've, I've worked at large companies that have acquired other technology companies, so I want to work in venture capital with these tech companies. I want to invest in early-stage tech companies, bring them up, and bring the... The ideal is if you can take them all the way to an IPO. If you get that transition from privately held to publicly traded, you get a 50% bump in the value, much like what just happened to Portillo's this right. week. Interesting. So, so uh, that's a big part of it. Um, uh, and, and, and what I know how to do after you know nearly 40 years of working in tech is take these tech concepts, build a company around and put infrastructure, operational methods, um, make a strong company out of it financially, and then do something with it. So the best is to take it all the way to IPO. Second best is to sell it to a strategic acquirer. Some other company looks at it and says, I really like your technology. I want to bring that in. I want to buy it. Third best is these private equity companies that are usually transitions. They say, this is ready to go. It's almost ready to go to IPO, but it won't be for a few years. We'll buy it now lower, and then we will benefit from that transition. Mm -hmm. And then the worst thing is where you have some leverage buyout or you have to hold the company longer. Anyway, so I started uh, setting up the infrastructure to do this, to start raising money, to make these investments. And the first thing that came along was pay dent. Wow. wow. So my, my wife and uh, and Kevin Patterson's wife, Dr. Patterson's wife, our cousins, uh, we were at a at a barbecue at my house one night celebrating a graduation of one of my kids. And uh, as I was flipping burgers, Kevin came walking up to me and said, <laughs> said I know I got another one of these great ideas. And I said, well, you've had some pretty interesting yeah. ones over the years. So he explained this one to me and I said, you know what? That's pretty solid. And I said, you know, but I happen to be in this MBA program right now at, at UIC, so let me take this back. I can use it as a as a as a guinea pig sort of thing in some of my classes. So so I took it to the professors and I showed it to them and said, what do you guys think of this? And, and one guy had twenty plus years in the insurance industry. He's a data scientist. My professor for SAS for uh, uh, st- statistical analysis software, uh, and he said. This is one of the best ideas I've ever seen. And so so when we started Payment. showing it, Payment. Payment. Yeah, so so uh, so we used it for a bunch of classes in, in my program. I got to the end, and then after the as soon as I graduated, then I started working on the code. And it took me about a year to get it to the point where it was I did use an outside I used an outside programmer as a contractor. Um, and but I wrote the original uh, Proof of concept, the original prototype, and then we we brought the the, the team in, to a couple of couple of people to do it. Uh, a year ago, September eighteenth of twenty twenty, is when we went live. So we started treating patients. We did the first one, and and uh, and since then we've just been been growing little by little. Um, we made an announcement of it. We wanted to run as many. Uh, 
patients and providers and treatments through as we could. And, and we found little quirks and peculiarities and bugs and fixed them. And after a year, we felt it was pretty good. So in conjunction with the, uh, with the um, Illinois State Dental Society's annual meeting uh, in early September, we did a press release and an announcement. And uh, boy, when we did that announcement, we had, I think, 14 uh, national. So Yahoo Finance covered us. They wrote about us. Um, I published it on my LinkedIn thing. I got uh, uh, almost two thousand uh, hits. People nice. that opened it up and read nice. it. So I think we're I think we're moving at this point. Paydent.com and we're we're signing up providers. We need to start with providers. We need to get as many providers as we can to build out a network. And the way it works for for providers is you know they get compensated about the same as the Delta Premier in network. So so they get fair compensation for it. Um, but and they actually get paid without assignment of benefits. Oh yeah, without even filing a claim. And, That's the beauty of this yeah. is there's no claims and there, to file. And there's no there's no charge to sign up. Yeah, there's no, no charge, no obligation. Just, and how do you sign up with your dentist? Yeah, what go to paydent.com. Gotcha. And then there's two sides to the to the to the main page. It's got okay. provider and patient. You go to the provider side and there's a button there that just says sign up. And you go in there, you open an account, you give us your uh, license number, your your uh, DEA number if you have one. It is pretty straightforward. I ended up doing it. So we had one dentist that, not that hard. Know, we we <laughs> went to one of the uh, one of the Chicago Dental Society um, regional chapter meetings, mm -hmm. and it was a Zoom meeting, and so there was only thirty people at it. One of the dentists that was at that saw this and said, oh, "I'm going to do this." So she signed up on her own without she didn't call us, she didn't do anything. She went to the website, signed up. She had a family, and she went to that family. She had them deposit, oh, it was like $9,500 in their account. Mm -hmm. And then she treated the whole family. She did all kinds of work on the whole family. She processed the payments on her own. And, wow. and then, then I called her up because this all happened very quickly. So I called her up and said, you know, this is fantastic. You've, you've joined this. You've, you've logged in. You've processed payments. And she said, I shouldn't tell you this, but it was way easier than insurance. I got paid immediately, <laughs> and I got paid better than I did from the insurance company. Mm. So, so uh, that, was, that was great. Well, that was really, really, really great. Dennis said that? Oh, my that's, God. That's unbelievable. Gorgeous. Being that I'm a second-year dental student hearing about this, um, I mean, how do Yeah, we brought this on to you. you yeah, didn't right? Know I'm, like, really fascinated by this whole program, honestly. Um... I don't know. How do you feel like you're going to bring it forward to the future generation of like dental, you know, people and dental, future dental healthcare professionals? Because I feel like people I've like never, you, Jess. literally people like me, because we know nothing about anything insurance-wise yet. Are you well, Jessica, you're, that's a great question, a great point, and you're absolutely right. Is that this um, this level that we compensate at, uh, approximately equal to Delta Premier in network? A young dentist mm -hmm. is not going to get to that level for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, this was the uh, Kevin Patterson, the doctor who conceived of this idea. Uh, he, the young dentists, the young associates that he has in his office are so immensely frustrated. They do yeah. exactly the same work that he does, and they get compensated a lot less. They come to him and they say, I filed, the, I followed the way, I did it the way I was taught. I filed the claims exactly the way. I followed every letter of the rules, and I get paid so much less than you do. So it's really yeah. important to the next generation of dentists. I mean, it, it, it's conceivable. I just, I, that, I, you gotta go back to that. So. You know, the premier plan and the basic plan, you know, that that's yeah. just incredible. So where does that 
money go you know because isn't not a provider a provider not to you no so it doesn't you know help it the patient you know where it goes it goes to the uh, the insurance company so let me the bonus this. of the ceo maybe i think Perhaps. so uh-huh. yeah you know that one of the delta branches and i think there's 43 or 46 of them 39 across the, 39 across uh-huh. the country Thank so you, one sir. of them the ceo just one of them the ceo gets 14.6 million dollars a year just that's like running hundreds a of thousands of dollars a benefit week. program a nonprofit organization a nonprofit organization really? that particular branch Ranch. They Sanders. have this beautiful facility in, in Michigan. It's got hundreds of acres. It's got a private lake that's stocked. There's hiking trails. Do you know how many people we could save with that 14 million? If he just took 1 million and let 13 million, yeah. how many communities it's, we can save? Yeah. God, yeah, so why, we, why we set CEOs out. Do that? We set out to, uh, to, to, we said the oh. overhead of these things are way too high. So this concept of medical loss ratio. It's one of the provisions of Obamacare. So when an insurance company is going to participate in Obamacare, they have to, depending on their size and the market that they're in, they have to either have a medical loss rate of 80 or 85%. What that means is that of all the premium money that they take in, for every dollar they take in, they have to pay out 80 cents on that dollar as claims or 85 cents on the dollar as claims. There is no such rule for dental insurance companies and dental insurance companies, if you analyze them, you'll find that they're closer to the 50 or 60% range, which means that they're keeping 40 to 50 cents on every dollar that comes in. That doesn't go to the patients. It doesn't go to the providers. Those are the two people that, that are supposed so and the employers to don't benefit from employees, They're just churning. Uh, they're just churning. They're churning the money. Skyscrapers yep. and the walking trails. And the walking trails. Yeah. Well, we kind of sidetracked on Payton again because they this, stock, this is such a beautiful thing. Do you have any idea what it costs to stock a lake? Stock a lake <laughs> with for fish? bass? Yeah, but bass with walleyes. And and, yeah, you know, you got to drudge it out. You got to make space for it and everything too. So, Steve, you, where are we at now? So, oh, Dr. Patterson, yeah, we're operational. Um, and yourself, it's, and it's out there. Just go to paydent.com and use it. And we're actually trying to get as many dentists as we can to sign up. We need to have a network of providers. Uh, so that we have a place to send patients to. We can go to patients then and say, say, hey, there's providers that you can get. So, so we're, we're going to the local shows. We're going to the, uh, the midwinter show. Um, uh, in February, we're going I to hope see. I hope they join you in the booth at the midwinter. You are well, I don't have any duties this year. I'd like, I'd like nothing better, better than yes. a guy like you in the booth. We'll have uh, a ball. Pulling the dentist in, grabbing them by the... Paint it, paint it, paint it. in. And then, Jess, you're loving this idea, huh? Mm-hmm. So, I'm really enjoying this, yeah. So this as is... a doctor, would you sign up for this? I mean, I'm a bit confused, though. So, uh, like, let's say I graduate, right? I can't automatically be a part of this. You said it. Oh, absolutely. Week. No, absolutely. you can day day wherever you're going to practice from Once day one. Oh, I can't. Okay. Yeah. You Once you get your license. license. That's, a, that's an important uh, benefit of this is it's completely portable. Gotcha. So it's not tied to a particular dentist. So one of the things that dentists have done, and I applaud this effort, is to to combat these insurance companies, they create their own subscription plans. My daughter, for example, goes to a dentist and she pays, yeah, she pays like 40 bucks a month, that's 480 a year. She gets two cleanings, two uh, checkups, and a set of x-rays every year, and then 10% discount on any major work. Mm -hmm. But the problem with that is it's tied to that one dentist. So if she's traveling, she travels a fair amount. If she's traveling and she has an emergency, she doesn't have any plan she can use. She doesn't have insurance. Not that insurance would help anyway. But if she had pay dent, she just goes to a local pay dent. Uh, she has money in her account. Local pay dent provider gets her teeth fixed immediately. Um, 
Fantastic. And so it's it's very portable and it's not permanent. You can you can cash in. You can and you, the, the premiums See, never expire. It remains your money. You can use it however you I'll want. I bet if yeah. I bet if your your daughter went to another state and had the money in her paid-in account, she could go to an office and the, the dentist could probably sign up in minutes yeah, and yeah. be ready yeah. to go, and the yeah. money could transfer like that, right? Yeah, to, right yeah exactly. that that's exactly correct. A, yeah. a, a, in an emergency situation, even not an emergency, it only takes a minute to sign right. up. Yeah. It, it only takes, you know, And then that dentist will benefit immensely and probably didn't even know about paid-in. So yeah, we right. got to get paid-in out there, y'all. Well, one of the yeah, things yeah, we're no, going to no. do, one of the things we're going to do is in the app, in the patient portion of the app, we're going to have a button to nominate a dentist. So we're gonna they 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 tell us who That's the dentist awesome. is. Then we're gonna go badger that dentist and say, hey, what a, a patient who wants to come to you wants you to take this plan. This and plan is better for you than any insurance plan. And will you take it? And we think a lot of them are gonna say yes because you don't give anything up to take it. You exactly. can honor any insurance you want to honor. You can take this as well for your uninsured patient. Did you? And you guys know this, but I was shocked to learn two statistics that just blew me away. One is there's only a couple of hundred thousand dentists in the whole country. Yeah, uh, you know, I actually when you, just researched about that. Yeah, when you think. About the number of engineers, nurses, doctors, lawyers, and and dentists is just a fraction of what those others are. So, so that's why we're so awesome. Because yeah. you guys are so capable. You can't just oh, get yeah. a dental degree. It's a very tight knit family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and, and it's now. yeah, and it's it's uh, it's it's remarkable. So on average, on a per capita basis, you guys treat twelve or thirteen hundred patients, something like that. Another statistic that blew me away is. There's 125 million Americans who don't have dental insurance. So a full third, more than a third of the country doesn't have insurance. Is pay dent not the best possible solution for them? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, and it's because it's every bit as good as the as the dentist's own subscription plan that they would accept. It's better for the patient because it gives them gives them uh, yep. the portability and flexibility, and and it's so automatic. Uh, if a dentist is trying to maintain their own subscription plan, they have to have the right software, they gotta have somebody to run the software, there's overhead associated with it. We do all of that stuff for you, and we do it all within our 5%. Remember that MLR that I mentioned before? Mm-hmm. Uh, dental insurance companies are for 50 to 60%, this is all they pay back against all the premiums they take, and we are locked at 95%, 95 like cents of every dollar that comes year. in. Yeah, and well, we specifically made it 5% because you can't split it down. You know, we look at the insurance companies are at 50 to 60%. We said, well, we could go 40 to 50. Well, that creates room for somebody else to go 20 to 30. Mm-hmm. And then that creates room for somebody to go 10 to 30. I said, try to split 5%. Yeah. What are you gonna, like two and three? <laughs> there's just, there's nothing there. Wow, yeah. this was so intriguing. Well, so let me, do, let me do the wrap up. All the let me do the wrap because this was, this was all about me, Brian. <laughs> this was all about me. This <laughs> wasn't about pay dent. So, so, uh, so, so I'm, 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 I'm running pay dent. The other thing I'm doing, I'm teaching entrepreneurship at DePaul God University here in Chicago, Sweet. and that's that's uh, really a lot of fun. Um, I'm still running the venture capital fund. It's called Polynomial Ventures. That's another um, uh, exercise in, in mathematics. I can explain to you in another podcast what the polynomial is all about. And, uh, and my proudest uh, accomplishment in life, I have four adult children. They all get along. We go on vacation mm-hmm. together. That's and awesome. and uh, mm-hmm. that is the and I have one grandchild. I have a six month old brand new grandchild. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's my story. Thanks for wow. the opportunity to tell. That's awesome. Of course. We are Thank so blessed coming. to have you here. Honestly. This this we're so grateful for this interview of yours. And we got a little more in the pay dent than we wanted to. We wanted to hear you some. You can edit that story, out if you need no, to. No, everything was You never edit anything. I don't. We just got you know. I make the mistakes and I just keep them in there. I'm a human. That's the way it is.
Thank you very much, Steve. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We're <laughs> no, signing no, off. No, no, Remember to you. brush, floss, and drink water after sweets. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Goodbye. All right. That was Boom.